Welcome back to the Dying to Ask podcast. This is one of my favorite shows I do on the podcast every year. It is the Summer Beach Reads show for 2021. So this year we are vaxxing, we are vacaying, and we are ready to lose ourselves in the pages of a book you can't put down. Or maybe it's just me. No, I think it's a lot of people. Quick book sidebar, a huge congratulations to a recent Dying Desk podcast guest, Zibby Owens, host of the Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books podcast. Zibby just sold her memoir to Little A, which is a division of Amazon Publishing. Her new book is going to be called The Book Messenger, and it's going to be out next year. And it's really going to be her life story of going from loving books to being a stay-at-home mom of four, to going through a divorce, to finding love again, and then finding this uncanny success as a book messenger on a podcast, connecting authors with future readers. And it's a great title, number one, Zibby. <laughs> Could not have picked a better title for that. But um, I'm really excited to, to read more of your story and to see what really motivated you to get into all that. So that is going to be one to uh, look for, but very excited for Zuby Owens. Now, let's talk books, because books in the last year, to me, they've been a lifesaver. There are a lot of people who I've heard say, I went back to reading during the pandemic. I found reading again. Um, a lot of people felt like they just had a lot of hours in the day to fill. So they started reading books that had been sitting around their house for years. And then some people found that they just, you know, needed something to do. So maybe they got into audiobooks while they were walking or, you know, exercising the dog. So books definitely were very critical in 2020. Now, in the UK, Nielsen Books did a survey of a thousand adults and found that the amount of time spent reading had doubled for people. I couldn't find a similar number for this country, with the exception of library borrows of ebooks doubled. That's interesting. Audiobooks have been off the charts, quite literally, that they're super popular these days. And then this was kind of a weird trend that started to emerge in this country. People started to improve their mental health, they started rereading books. So they would see a book in their house, and they're like, oh, I loved that. And they would reread it. And I think it's because they knew what the ending was. Like you knew that that book was going to satisfy you and make you feel good. So people went back to reading books. So that's a weird trend that started here. So today we have one of my favorite book messengers back, Tina Ferguson. She's the owner of Face in a Book Bookstore. And Tina and I met years ago when she was doing live segments with us on the morning news. She, and I'm not exaggerating, is truly one of my favorite people. And she does such a great job of suggesting books that you want to read and then books that you should read as well. And that is, that is a skill because sometimes there's just a book that you... Maybe it's not the book you would have picked up if you had walked into the bookstore, but you read it and you're like, oh, I needed that and I didn't even know. On this Dying to Ask, we're going to talk about how the pandemic changed the publishing world. This is in terms of what we were all gravitating toward and also what is now coming out because of the last year. We'll talk about the fiction and nonfiction titles you'll definitely want on your summer reading list. And we'll talk about ways if you have kids at home, reluctant readers, ways to get your kids reading more this summer. There are a lot of people who are very worried about the summer brain drain. I mean, we always are every summer, but this year coming off of, for most kids, a year of distance learning, it could be even worse. Tina has some really great suggestions on how to get the people in your house reading more books. Tina Ferguson is back on Dying to Ask. 
I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I know two things. One, that phrase, I'll sleep when I'm dead, is starting to seem likely. And two, the best conversations take time. Dying to Ask is my chance to have longer, more meaningful conversations without a producer yelling rap in my ear. Personal change requires personal growth. And these days, Plan B is the new Plan A. Ready to do life bigger and better despite the Rona? This is Dying to Ask. Tina, welcome back to the Dying to Ask podcast. Thank you. It is so nice to be back. Nice to see you on video for sure. Yes, I know. I know. Maybe by the next summer beach reads, we'll be able to just kind of hang out in the store again and do this. Or on the beach. Or on the beach. Yeah. I haven't figured a way to do that. Exactly. Fresh. That would be totally fresh. So Tell me what, what's going on in books and publishing these days. It's been such an interesting year. I read that in the UK, reading has doubled. Yes. Um, I've got to think that we probably didn't double, but maybe we did. I don't know. What do you think? Um, we have definitely increased our reading uh, through the pandemic. What's very interesting is we've actually increased our listening to books through the pandemic. Um, audio book uh, sales and, and, and patronage has gone up um, quite a bit over 2020 and not just in our cars, but in our own homes, we're listening more to books, which I find very interesting. Um, I just got into audiobooks um, for me for the first time this year. And it was, you know, I would hear somebody interviewed on a podcast, usually a nonfiction self-help yes. type thing. Mm-hmm. And then I would check it out from the library or, you know, download it. And I found that was a really great way to walk the dog. Like I liked hearing, I liked hearing like the expert in their own words telling Mm -hmm. me the story and, and it really made the time go by. I agree. I, I really loved listening to audiobooks. I prefer personally to listen to nonfiction because Mm -hmm. I tend to have my own idea of what voices and things sound like in fiction. And I might not like the way that the reader is making that voice sound. So I stick to nonfiction and I, feel like I've learned a lot just by listening to the, those few books that I did last year. But, you know but what's on my, do you know what's on my broadcasting bucket list? What's that? I want to voice audiobooks. Ooh, you would be so Seriously, good. I would love to voice audiobooks. I feel like that would be like a really fun job. I know. Yeah. That so would- if anybody knows how to do that, hook a sister up. because <laughs> That is definitely on my bucket list of things. Okay. To do. I'm going to write that down. Okay. I'll, I'll find you some. <laughs> you are but, a connector. Uh, but, but I just thought that was such an interesting statistic about audiobooks going up. Um, and again, we have seen so um, many wonderful uh, books come out across all genres, whether it's children's books, even science fiction, even romance, um, really being be- becoming more diverse in their uh, characters. And not just diverse in terms of color, but uh, like neurodiversity, uh, d- d- uh, people that are, that have, you know, dis- disabilities um, are also being portrayed. Um, uh, you know, the LGBTQIA community, I mean, all of these different uh, groups of people um, are now being written about more and more, which is so refreshing to be able to have, especially children, see people that look like them and sound like mm-hmm. them in the books that they're reading. And so that's been really exciting to watch over the course of 2020, um, those types of books becoming more and more available. What kinds of books did you find? Were there certain types of books that you found people were coming in and requesting? Like I found personally, I didn't want anything dystopic 
Nothing dystopic because yeah. I had a plenty of dystopic going on in just real life and doing five hours of live news in the morning. I didn't want anything that sounded like too crazy to be true. What, yeah. what were most people gravitating toward? I think that, you know, for some, um, they were gravitating towards anything nonfiction that had to do with the pandemic, uh, just because they wanted more information. And, really? and, and I think that they wanted maybe to be able to read it and to formulate, formulate their own thoughts and ideas about it in terms of, I feel like I can do that better when I read instead of being bombarded by people on the air. Um, Interesting. So like, like, can you, <laughs> no, no, I get, I'm tired of me as well. Um, what what, I, I can think you think of a book that you recommended to people who were coming in and, rec and suggesting that or saying that that's what they wanted as a suggestion? I can't remember off the top of my head. There were that's okay. several, but, um, but people just wanting to, to dive in for themselves. And, and not just in terms of like things about the, uh, the pandemic itself, but I think that a lot of people became very introspective um, during their, their time at home. And so more than, more than usual, we were selling more inspirational books, books about um, you know, working on yourself, tending to yourself, um, wintering about you know, you know, staying in and in, in living in difficult times, that became very popular. And so I just feel like people were spending more time uh, buying some nonfiction and trying to learn as they were at home. And then of course we had the whole escapist fiction as well um, in terms of romance. Romance is huge. I mean, there are so many romance books coming out with every type of like character falling in love with a character, you know? That's so like awesome. falling in love with pets and you know, things like that is purely, <laughs> it's, it's just really interesting. Um, and so, so that's been something that people have gravitated to as well. The other trend is all these books that are coming to life on the streaming services, whether yes. it's Netflix, you know, Prime Video, like all of these books, like you're seeing them on the TV. And so people are clamoring for those books. And I'm hoping that they're reading them before getting into that TV show. Personally. I hope so too. And, you know, and would you say that that is in doing big parts, people like Reese Witherspoon, who, you know, certainly a wonderful book yes. promoter, book Absolutely. angel, but then also she, she, she gets the rights to some of these and then puts together some really, I'm thinking of Big Little Lies yeah. being the yeah. biggest, yeah. which I thought was really well done. And I loved the original book. Yeah. I thought that one was awesome. Yes. And I think that because of the streaming services, maybe they have more, I don't know if they have a bigger budget or more flexibility, but it seems like they're, they're truer to the books than you might find in a, on a big screen mm -hmm. um, in previous years. Um, you know, the one that I, I didn't care for was Firefly Lane. Did you ever read Firefly Lane? I did not. It's Kristen Hanna. It's just a great summer beachy yeah. book, but yeah. I found that the I can't remember if it's Netflix or Hulu. Hulu. It's really hard to follow. Like if I hadn't read the book, I don't know that I could follow it. It's, right. Yeah. So it's, so I agree with you. I think you got to read the book first. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really but enjoy it, it. But it's nice that these. With one exception, Bridgerton. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I need to read that book, but I sure loved Bridgerton. <laughs> oh yes. The Viscount has been very popular in the store. Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. <laughs> yes. Yes. But um, so that I think that that's it's been neat to see um, books, you know, become more um, kind of out there in the public so that people can see like 
maybe there's people who, who aren't really into reading that never read Underground Railroad, right? But they see it on Netflix is coming out or whatever the station is. And they're thinking, wow, that looks really good. Maybe I should pick up that book. And so if it leads people to pick up that book and dive into literature, then I'm all for it. Yeah, and that's interesting. That's really we'll cool. get to all your wonderful summer beach picks here in just a minute, but I am curious to ask you about what you're hearing from the publishing world coming out of the pandemic. Because I, I, I follow a lot of um, writers on Instagram and it seemed like some of them were talking about being just stuck, you know, mentally stuck, mm -hmm. having a hard time being able to write. And others, it seems like, you know, they're living their best lives and they've got 17 books coming out. Yes. What are you hearing coming out of the pandemic in terms of books that are in the works? Um, I think that um, the books that I'm seeing that are kind of coming out, unfortunately there were, there were a lot of books that were lost. Like, I feel like this, like the lost books of the pandemic where because we were so, you know, everything on, the, on our minds was having to do with the pandemic, these books just didn't get looked at. And so what I'm trying to do is make sure that some of those books that were so well done, um, we're showcasing them in the bookstore now so that people don't miss them. Because, you know, if you don't kind of read it at the time that it's out, you just miss it and, and move on to something else. And so there were a lot of great books that were missed uh, that we're trying to make sure that people are aware of. Um, I see that, um, Unfortunately, in the publishing world, it's still virtual events with authors, so it's very difficult to kind of, you know, one of the things that we at Face in the Book loved doing was connecting our community with authors um, in, a, in a really personal and um, intimate way, and we're just not able to do that. It's, it's hard as a person who believes in reading a book um, to encourage someone to get on a screen with someone who wrote a book. It's, it's difficult. Um, it kind of goes, it's antithetical to, to like what we want to be about. So that's been a challenge for us at the bookstore. You know, do we do virtual events or not? Um, I'm seeing that the publishing uh, houses are starting to think about having authors travel again next year. So we'll see if that helps. I, I've heard from several author friends that have said that the pandemics was very difficult for them, especially if they had a new book release. Uh, so publishers are trying their best to get their authors, you know, in the in front of people once more. Yeah, I I found there wasn't a single author that I approached for a podcast episode who turned me down because they needed things like podcasts in this virtual world to be able to get the word out because, like you said, they weren't doing book tours. Yeah, unfortunately not. Um, and so so yeah, so that's so I try to bring you know information to our community. Um, I, I do a, a recording once a week, a video once a week about new releases, making sure that people know kind of like what's coming out. These are new. These are exciting. Uh, just so that people who didn't feel comfortable, we've been doing that for almost a year now. Mm -hmm. So people who didn't feel comfortable coming into the store could still, you know, get recommendations um, via, you know, our, our, our Facebook page, and then they could decide whether they wanted to try something new. Um, I watched them. You've got, you've gotten really good at that, by the way. <laughs> thank you. I want to, I want to be you. A star no, you don't. Trust <laughs> me. You do not. Smoke you and mirrors. You have chickens. Smoke and mirrors. I love it. I do have chickens. Yes, you're correct on that. The Chicken Sisters. Have you read that book? That's like a really not. fun one. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that one. That was a, an excellent book. She was on the podcast as well. Why? Because she needed to sell books and we have to do it. Um, okay. Not really. Uh, no, actually, really. That is exactly what happened. Okay. So let's look ahead to this summer. I don't know about you, but um, I, I am craving, like, uh, as I call it, say it to my husband, a vacation vacation, like yeah. a real vacation. A, yeah. I'm vaccinated. I want the mask off, lay right. on the beach, 
with a ridiculous rum drink vacation. And I want to sit there and lose myself in a book all day. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I actually am leaving for Hawaii on Sunday. So I'm very excited. And I'll have lots of books with me, of course. Uh, Yeah. That's that's like my favorite, my favorite, my, almost my favorite part of a vacation is the plane ride to and from, because it's just uninterrupted reading time. It's the best, isn't it? Put on my face of like, no one talked to me. And then I read. <laughs> it's great. No. Oh, I'm the exact same way. I'm the exact. And I always panic. What if I finish the book on the flight before it's over? Well, you always have I to. Bought, I bought. Well, I know, but sometimes you know, if it's a long flight, you might. You know, I mean, I, I am, I am definitely the queen of the impulse in the airport at the bookstore. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's the best. The best. Me, you probably have like this whole list of books running around in your head all the time. And so Always. when you see it at an airport, you're like, okay, I'm going to snag that because I've been thinking about it. <laughs> I know. I'm the same exactly. I don't know about you, but I come home and I'm like, ooh, I had that on my shelf. I've done that. <laughs> I'm sure you have. <laughs> How could you not? Hey, tell people about the thing you do when you go on vacation um, in terms of like your own like vacation book club. I love this idea. Oh, thank you. So um, I started this with um, some friends that I went on a cruise with um, in 2017. We went on a, a Greek island tour and all of us love books. I mean, whenever we just get together as friends, we talk about what we're reading. And so I thought, how fun would it be to have a like a vacation book club? because we were gonna be together for three weeks total on this vacation. So we were going to the island of Corfu um, on our our journeys. And there's a wonderful book called My Family Family and Other Animals by Gerald uh, Durrell. And it's about his family growing up on Corfu with his single mother and all the little antics that they got into as a family. And it was just so charming. It talked about the people of Corfu and the landscape and all the different things that he did there. And so I bought a copy for every person on the cruise. And I said, you know, we're going to read this on vacation. And we had these wonderful conversations about the book over dinner. And it was just a blast. It was really fun. So I just think that's a really fun thing to do as a family um, or as, you know, friends or whatever, just to, um, it's such a fun idea. I just love the idea of gifting, you know, a couple of girlfriends, like here's the book and let's all get together in a month and we'll talk about it. I love that. It's just takes a couple, the work. And there's a couple of booksellers that I haven't been able to see through the pandemic and that we've talked about, okay, we're going to read this book and we're going to talk about it. So having your own little personal book club, um, can be a lot of fun. I think that could be a thing. You could call it like the girlfriend's book club. Yeah. And then, and then you sell like three times as many books. <laughs> Exactly. Take it. And Take that idea. Run with it. I will. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the big the big books of the summer um, for adults. And what is where do you want to start? Well, the thing favorite? is, you know, I mean, there's a lot of big books coming out. Um, there's already there's you know books that are out right now, um, and it's interesting because like every publisher will say like this is our big book, and and I don't know. I'm I'm kind of that person that likes to pick the the book that might not be the main book in the spotlight because I don't know about you but sometimes I get disappointed if there's so much hype around a book yeah um like I remember the movie Pretty Woman years and years ago with Julia you know with Julia Roberts and how everyone has seen it before me but like you have to see this movie you have to see this movie it's so good and then I watch it and it's like this did not live up to my expectations Mm -hmm. um and so I feel like sometimes you know there's books that are so, you know, woo, talked about. And then you read it and you're going, oh, I'm a little disappointed. 
So can I, I can I tell you one that I just read that I felt that way about? Yes, Unta- yeah. Untamed. Yes, I liked I- it. I liked and and if you haven't read it, it's Glennon um, Melton. Yes, Mel- Mel- Melton. Melton Boyle. Um, yeah. Melton Boyle. Um, and it, it's essays and, yeah. you know, I found that I would get, and they're fast. It's a super fast read. You can pick mm-hmm. it up, put it down. But, but I had a lot of friends who were like, this changed my life and my life didn't feel changed by it, but I did enjoy it. And it, there were yeah. some really interesting stories in there. There are parts of it that are hilarious, parts of it that are super sad, parts that really make you think, but mm-hmm. I didn't, I, 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 w- I didn't have that same reaction that a lot yeah. of people I know had to reading it. Um, I think it all depends on where you're at. Uh, probably, you know, you know, in terms of like emotionally, personally life, you know, where, where your life situation is. I, I heard the same thing and I bought it um, for my daughter who's 20, 23 and all of her girlfriends, we were going to have like this book club about it. And none of them were like, uh, I don't think I need to talk about it. You know, yeah. it, it was just, yeah, it was just something that kind of, it was good, but it kind of fell flat for them. Right. Yeah. Just like, I think you're right. Like it probably does depend on kind of where you are. Well, one of the books that I I know I've been seeing a lot of buzz about is called the plot. What is that one about? (laughs) What is the plot of the plot? I know the plot is talking books. There's this professor of literature and he has this student come to him with this plot, this idea for a book. And the professor just kind of blows him off. Like, eh, I don't think, you know, I don't think it's that great. Uh, and so the guy just goes away and never does anything with it. Um, but secretly that the, the professor thinks it's an incredible plot and he basically steals it and writes, writes the book and becomes uber, uber famous. And, uh, he thinks he's living his best life. And then he gets this like email, um, Hey, you stole my book. What's, what's going on? Yeah, that's awesome. So, this is the one that Stephen King really liked, right? And he said it's it's um, insanely readable. That's so awesome. I'm like, okay, I, I think that's a good thing. It, yeah, it, I love books that have you know a a story within a story within a story. So you know you have a a book about a book, you know. So there's a you know thing there in and of itself. So I I like books that have a little t- twist and turn to it, and where you don't always get away with it. If you know, right? What I mean. Yeah. I love it. Okay, what's the next one? Um, so I'm just the next one that uh, I think is going to be it's a wonderful read for this summer is the phone book at the edge of the world. I love this book. Um, so I it's interesting. Back when the tsunami happened in 2011, my mother and I were actually supposed to go to Japan to see family and friends, and we were supposed to leave the Monday after the tsunami hit, so we were unable to go. And it was just devastating to see, you know, all of the, the, the wreckage and the, you know, d- demolition of everything it was so sad. And so um, when I heard about this book, I had to pick it up and read it right away. It's, it's based on a real life phone booth called the Wind Phone in Japan. And this, this, this phone booth, it looks like, it looks like one of those London phone booths, it's like bright red, and it sits on this hill, it kind of overlooks the area where the tsunami happened, and um, people come to, from all over the world, but it started initially just in Japan, people coming, talking on that wind phone to relatives that they lost in the tsunami that they couldn't find anymore, whether it was a family member or a friend, um, it, it helped them process their grief, it helped them to, to be able to say goodbye to those people. It's a beautiful idea. 
it is a beautiful idea. And there's like this really pretty park that that phone booth sits in. And what I love about this book is that these two different individuals come to this phone booth for different reasons and want the trying to kind of deal with their grief. And there's always kind of, you know, like any great book, always kind of ex exterior, uh, you know, on the fringes characters that become interwoven into the story as well. And it's just really beautiful. Both of them process their grief very differently, but yet they do. Uh, they develop a, a friendship with each other and um, using that experience, it kind of heals them um, in their world away from the phone booth as well. So it's just a, a really beautiful, I think, metaphor uh, for you know dealing with grief, getting past hard things and knowing that you need other people to help you through mm -hmm. it. What a great book for this year, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, it's beautiful. I loved it. And what was really fun about that is that in, in between chapters, there'd be these little lists or these little um, kind of, you know, just little paragraphs of, of things that you read about. So like something about someone, you know, someone had a lunchbox and then the, the little in, interlude between chapters will be here's the contents of the lunchbox, you know, and, <laughs> and fun. Um, because, you know, the subject matter is kind of heavy, right? Grief is right. to talk about. And so there is some lightness in it as well. I, I just thought that the author did a brilliant job. It's, it's translated from Italian. It was an Italian author. And, Interesting. Um, it's really beautiful. That sounds great. Okay, what's the next one? Um, the next one that I have is, um, well, first of all, I'm just a huge fan of Paris and a huge fan of animals. So uh, Paris Troika in Paris is the next book by Jane Smiley. She was the Pulitzer Prize winning author of A Thousand Acres, which I loved. Um, that was, you know, many years ago. And what was the, what was the first one that kind of put her on the map? Um, it was one word, a one word. I'm looking it up right now because it's going to drive me crazy. Um, moo. Yeah. You know what's funny? I was going to say moo and then I thought it can't possibly be moo. Yes, it really is. It is moo. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> But um, ever since go with your gut, Fitzpatrick. Just go with the gut. Go with the gut. <laughs> um, I I remember, you know, when I read Hollow Kingdom, which I passed on to you, that great sci-fi book that had all kinds of animals, you know, as the main character. Yep. I have just been really intrigued by by books like that. And so this is very similar where this horse Paris, which is short for Paris Troika, um, has, has, they left the stable door open. And he's like, well, it's open. I'm going to go take a look around. So he walks out of his stable and starts hanging up around in Paris. And he meets all these wonderful animals along the way. And um, it's just really charming and really fun. It's different, quirky. And I just think that's a, a that's a fun read. It's, it's not you know, it's kind of fantasy, right? Because animals really don't talk. Sure. But it's not dystopian, you know, yeah. <laughs> end of the world type, you know, it's not artificial intelligence. It's just a really nice, fun read. And so I just think that that's what people are looking for in the summer. Um, I think that some people are just looking for something that's light and fun that can just take them away from what, what they're doing at home. I mean, they want to be on vacation. They don't want to maybe delve into really hard subject matter. So. Right. Uh, no, one. I just, I mean, I find, and maybe just this year, but I just want to be entertained. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to like not realize so many hours have passed. You know what I just read that I, I loved because it kept me up was um, the sanatorium, oh. which has a great cover and it takes place. It's a sanatorium. So an old hospital and it's in Switzerland, right? Oh, and people get 
snowed in in an avalanche and then people are dying right and left. <laughs> I, I was all in, all in. <laughs> You like disaster stuff. I don't know. Do you know what I love? I love that. Like you can't put it down. Scare me silly. And I hadn't been scared silly by a book. I've been scared silly by a lot of things. Right. right. But by a book where you just, you have that feeling like, remember when you were a little kid and you stayed up all night reading and tired the next day, that is what it was like. And you know what? It was fully worth being tired the next day because it was so good. It would be a great movie too, but yeah, that was kind of fun. Okay. So what's your book number four for you? Uh, Book number four for me is going to be, well, the silent, well, the silent patient, it's been out for a while. Uh, by Alex McAleese, but man, when it came out, um, it was like, we couldn't keep it on the shelf. It's, it's so interesting. It's about this, um, this is, so there's a woman who has killed her husband. Uh, she goes to jail for it and she stops speaking. Like she won't speak to anyone, won't utter a word to anyone. And, uh, and so this guy, well, like he wants to, he's a reporter and he kind of wants to know what happened. Like, what is her story? Like here she is this woman that did this and and she never said a word in her defense or anything. So he's just so fascinated. So he goes to, she's rented him an interview. He goes to see her and he's, he's like, I'm going to be the one, I'm going to be the one to break her silence. Um, I'm going to be the one to help her, you know, through this. And um, it has so many, did you read this? I have not read it. No, it's super interesting. It's crazy twist and you you don't see it coming. Shoot, no way. How could I? That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds great. See, that's kind of how I was with the sanatorium. It just like kept me up all night because it was so much fun. That sounds really, so that's called The Silent Patient. Silent Patient, yes. So cool. And who's the author on that one? Alex Michaelides. Michaelides. Okay, great. Um, then I, you know, social, the social commentary is out there everywhere about everything. Right. Um, and I think that that's good. And I, and I like, I like these next two books because they take that, those, those realms of where we're, you know, our culture kind of hits, um, hits where culture, the social commentary and the culture that we're trying so hard to be like, you know, good about and changing and helping kind of hits, hits a wrong turn. It's a, it's a sour note. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really not as great as it could be. So the first one, which you loved as well, and I just love that we love the same books, Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. It's a, it was a Reese, a Reese Witherspoon book club pick. It was long listed for the 2020 Booker Prize. Um, it's this gal that um, becomes an influencer. She's like, the, the person that everyone wants to be, right? I mean, she's got her act together and she um, she's this influencer on social media. Uh, she gets a babysitter t- uh, to take care of her little um, toddler and um, is a woman of color babysitter. The babysitter takes the daughter to a store, gets mistaken because she's you know African-American for being someone that has the wrong child and you know she goes and, and that whole thing starts to unravel and you think that the gal who the mother is going to like bail her out and help her um and she, she says that she's going to make everything right but then she doesn't and kind of throws her under the bus and it all goes crazy wrong so. you know what's interesting is that that book came out before mm-hmm. 
the conversation really started in the last year because this book is like two years old now and it and and it's been interesting i i I, when everything started happening because i kept recommending that book to people said this is a great book this was talking about these issues um just before i mean it's just it's just so um kind of uncanny the timing and i've read interviews where kylie reed said like her interviews now are completely different Yes, because, oh, absolutely. Because, it, because it's a way to discuss really important issues. Absolutely. And I think that's just really interesting. And this is the next book kind of talks about that too. This is Interior Chinatown. This won the um, National Book Award last year by Charles Yu. And it's, its social commentary is around like stereotypes of Asian Americans. So uh, this guy, uh, Willie Yu is an actor in you know Hollywood and he's kind of in this, in this series and in this series he just plays quote unquote generic asian man and uh he wants to be kung fu man like he wants to be the best role in this kind of you know this series that he's in he wants to attain to that um but it's but this book is about stereotypes um not just in the asian community but also like of hollywood and movie stars and all of that like you think you have this idea of what their life is like and i'm sure it's much different then we know, right? Uh, so, so that's what's fascinating about this book is it's got that kind of dual-edged, um, you know, society, you know, thing going on, and I and I just love that um, he does kind of get into the spotlight, and um, it, it isn't always cracked up to be right. So, so it's just interesting. You had just mentioned. Um you know, the, the Booker Award and, and, you know, a lot of times you see the seals that end up on different books, whether it's because they were nominated for one, a certain award, or maybe more recently, it's an Oprah Book Club pick. It's a Reese Witherspoon pick. How important are those seals to readers? I mean, I know, I'll be honest, like Reese Witherspoon and you pretty much recommend everything I read. Like, I, I, I personally put a lot of faith in them because I find that people tend to have a style that I like, or they make me think, or somebody says, you know, you should read this. And if it's somebody whose opinion I really care about, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, I'll read it. But how, how important are they, do, do you think, to readers? I think that it, it all depends. I mean, if the reader is following those people's lists, then they're definitely, you know, interested in it. Um, I, I really enjoy like looking at like the National Book Award and the Pulitzer and the Booker. The Booker is the award for in the UK. But what I like about those awards is that they are um, voted on and created by a panel of people. And this, the panels include, you know, people from the publishing world. It'll, it will include authors. Um, sometimes it includes booksellers. Uh, and so what I like about that is that there's all these different people that have this, you know, world of books that are that are pulling their their minds together to kind of come up with a list of these are really important books this year. Um, I like that it's a group of people that are determining mm-hmm. that. Um, I think that, you know, if if it's like an Oprah or a Reese Witherspoon, someone that you really trust and that you've you've taken on their their books that they've recommended and you're and you're like, yes, this is this is the kind of thing I like. Then yeah, definitely keep following them. I think it's more important for the publishers than it is for the reader personally. Uh, the publishers use it as a huge advertising um, and selling point, which I think is great. But mm-hmm. um, I don't think, especially like in an independent bookstore, I don't think it's as important as it might be in like a Target or a Barnes and Noble. 
Interesting. Um, but I guess those endorsements, they really do move books, it sounds like. They absolutely do, um, especially for book clubs, I think. But I think that when you find that independent bookstore that you love and you develop a relationship with the booksellers, then that's where you're going to get your recommendations from. Um, yeah. Because they you know, are going to be a little more wi widely read and they'll have access to those different books that you might not find in that, you know, airport lob, you know, airport store, or, um, big, big box store. One of the best pieces of mail that I got in the last couple of months was from you. <laughs> I went out to the mailbox. I'm like, what is this? And it, you sent me a book called Infinite Country with a, um, a with a post on it said, read this so we can discuss. And I did. I mean, honestly, like you, I, I was having a really rough week and it was like the nicest thing, nicest surprise ever to be thought of by a book messenger like you. Um, but I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that book because I feel like I wasn't hearing a lot about it, but it's a really, again, talking about, you know, current news headlines, such an important book, I think. It is. Um, I, I, I loved this book for a number of reasons. I felt like the author was very, the author, I feel like the author curated her language so well that she didn't need a lot of extra words, therefore making a lot of extra pages to tell her story. And I loved that. I loved the succinctness of her vocabulary and her, her writing. Um, I loved that, um, that the protagonist, this this girl, just had this this moxie, this drive um, to to get to where she wanted to go, and that she wasn't going to let anything stop her, and that she just was so resourceful, and it just made me think of all the other you know young women her age that are in similar situations. You know, do they have the same level of um, guts, so to speak, to to take care of that for themselves. Um, and it's a, um, for people who, who aren't familiar, it's kind of a multi-generational look. It has to do with immigration and the struggle um, set in Bogota. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's just, it's beautifully written. I mean, just the, the words are just flawlessly picked and edited and it's just, it's a really beautiful book. So and, and I love it's a book that makes you feel, it makes you feel smart when you finish it. <laughs> it's that kind of a book. It's a very important book. What I also love about it too, is that the way that it ends, it leaves you with a, with a, with that capability of like figuring out how, what comes next. Yes. It, it, it ended in a really nice way. It was a great ending, but there was still that door left open for the reader to think about, well, what happens next? Now what happens, you know? And then you can actually kind of think about it and go from there, which I love. I love any book yes. that can continue the story in your mind. Definitely. Tina calls that the untidy ending. Untidy. Love. Untidy yeah. ending. A um, lot of people worried with um, kids this summer. You know, we always talk about the summer brain drain and, and it's a legit thing. I don't even know. I mean, like that bathtub is out of water after this last year with so many kids being stuck at home. Um, and, yeah. and getting kids to read is challenging, but we know that to get them back on track, reading fluency is so critical. For parents who have reluctant readers, what is the best advice you would give them to try to get kids of all ages back reading this summer, especially the when they've been glued to yeah. screens? Yeah, the best advice I can get give is to let your kids read what they want to read. Um, we have so many you know, families coming into the bookstore 
having to say, well, my child has to do a report. It has to be a biography. It has to be this many pages. It has to be at this, you know, level of reading, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it, when you, when you get pigeonholed like that, in terms of like, you have a very narrow band of books that you can recommend. A lot of these kids are like, I am not interested, especially children that have a high reading level for their age. For instance, my, my girls were the same. Like my daughter was reading boxcar children, chapter books in kindergarten. Wow. She didn't necessarily understand them, but that's, yeah. that was what she was reading. And so you can't necessarily give that child a book for their reading level because they're not going to get it. They're not emotionally or socially mature enough to handle the subject matter, nor will they understand it. So it's hard when you have to go by those parameters to recommend a book, which is why I love the summer. Because all I can suggest to parents is let your kids read what interests them. Right now, many publishers, uh, Scholastic ha was, has always been on the forefront of this graphic novels, but uh, Random Penguin Random House, Simon & Schuster, Macmillan, all the big publishing houses are coming out with these really awesome graphic series for kids, school-age kids. And um, I do hear parents, you know, when it, when I'm in the bookstore and I overhear them saying, oh no, you know, you can't have a graphic book. You have to pick out a real book. Mm -hmm. Graphic books are real books. And I just want parents to know that. We actually had a graphic book uh, night in, in the works for us when, when we were, you know, last year, we had to cancel it because of COVID. But um, we want to bring that back sometime when we can have events in the store to educate parents on the, um, the, the importance of, you know, reading and reading what they want. Um, yeah. Like the Wimpy Kid, you know, Jeff Kinney wrote that series because his son was a reluctant reader. And so making reading accessible and fun, you know, it opens up that door and then they want to branch out from there. So don't be afraid of graphic books for your kids. Um, they're a really great opportunity to, to get them into that love of reading. And the vocabulary I and, and the subject matter is spot on. That's great to hear. Yeah. My, my first son, especially just loved reading, especially as a younger kid. Now he's in high school. So now there's a lot of reading for school. So it's, it's a little different, which I guess is pretty typical, but as a younger kid, he was just, he was really into books. And, and a lot of people would ask me like, how'd you get him so into reading? And honestly, I think it's because he saw me reading books. I think he saw me. I think he just saw me um, reading so much that maybe that was part of it. And we always have books around now. He also has finished Netflix, so he doesn't see me do that. So it doesn't always work, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, you know how that goes. But it's true, like yeah, yeah, reading by example, like seeing the, the people in your home reading. Um, and I actually enjoy reading out loud. So, um, do you want to come do the news? <laughs> sure, I would be happy to. But, but friend, you could have told me this a few years ago. I could have found you a spot. <laughs> I anytime, any anytime. <laughs> But, um, but, you know, like I love following my staff around the store. Uh, oftentimes I will read them poetry um, out loud around the store because I love to do it. Is that considered harassment when your, your boss is doing that? You have to ask them. <laughs> hostile work environment hostile work environment my boss is reading me poetry again um but um, i also you know i enjoy reading to my husband i've read him poetry in the car because he's a captive audience and and i'm like this is better than you know this is better than an audiobook because i'm here live and, and you're like, such a newlywed no i know but i talk do. to me and talk to me in like 15 years and let's see if you're still reading him poetry in the car <laughs> But I also think reading a book out loud to each other is really, really fun. Yeah, um, so that's, I, a, so that's a fun idea. I like I that. that with, with, my, with my husband as well. well. We'll take turns reading chapters to each other. 
Um, it was it was really funny one night he was having a hard time going to sleep and so he said can you read me something I said sure so I started reading him out of um the lion the witch in the wardrobe by C.S. Oh. I love and so I was reading and I got through the first chapter and I kept reading and he's like okay I'm going to ask you to stop right now and I said oh I'm sorry am I annoying you he's like no the book is so good I, I can't go to sleep <laughs> Stop reading so I can go to sleep. So funny. When my kids are small, you know, I would read to them. I mean, obviously they're old enough now, they kind of read to themselves. But I remember my younger son saying, No, not that voice. I don't want the channel three voice. I just want a mom <laughs> voice. Don't do the channel three voice. Like, are you serious? This voice is like this is my butter. voice. It's like butter. It's like butter. People, it's people pay me to read words out loud. True. Yeah, he didn't. He did not want the news voice. So that's right. Another trend in literature is the short story or the essay format. So mm. a lot of books, you know, are coming out with short story collections, and um, it's it's interesting how those come together. Uh, I don't know if you know Jenny Lawson, but she wrote. I know the name. Yeah. In all the best, in all the best ways, and she's written, you know, um, just a funny, funny books about her life and so enjoyable you know what i like about those kinds of books is that you feel like you're reading a book uh every time you read a chapter yeah because you know that the story is just so encapsulated there was there was one book that had got a lot of great buzz called milk blood heat um, was a series of uh short stories all around like the haiti community in uh, miami and in florida hmm. and that was really really interesting uh just a part of the culture I didn't know anything about. Uh, and so I think that that's a really fun way too to kind of get your feet wet with something new is to delve into a short story collection. Uh, you, I think that you become pleasantly surprised. I think it's a great, for people who feel they don't have a lot of time to read yeah. or who are not natural readers, it's a great way to get back into reading because you can pick it up and put it down Absolutely. and there's less pressure. You know, you can get through a section of it and feel good about it, which I think is great just to build up because reading is kind of, it's a habit. It's, it, it's building yeah. up a muscle. And so committing to, for people who want to read more, you got to commit to it every day and it can be 10 minutes setting a lot. I mean, it's no different than working out or drinking your water. Like exactly. you got to practice it. And yeah. then after you, after a while that habit is formed and you just don't know what you do without it, you know, especially, yeah. especially this last year. So true. So yeah. True. All right. So what are good ways for people to keep up with you? I want them to see your, your amazing videos. Oh, you're so funny. So um, we started this, it's called the T Tina's Tuesday Teasers. So in the book world, I don't know why, but Tuesday is the day that new books get released. And so I started just a little, you know, couple minute long video about uh, books that were coming out that day, um, just so that people could have an idea of what was out there because you know not everybody was comfortable coming into the store and seeing our display of new releases so um so that's one way you can follow us on facebook uh get uh, look for face in a book on facebook um and you can see videos i mean they're there you know for you to just look at over and over and over again um hear my dulcet tones talk about uh, <laughs> great books um, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we have, you know, it, and, and, easy, and even as I'm doing them and I'm talking about these books, I'm like, I really need to read this. You know, I mean, I can't read everything, but, but there's just so many good books out there that we just want to bring the, the attention to people about that. Um, so you can follow us on our Facebook page. Um, that's probably the best way. You can come into the store. 
um, come into the store and talk to us. We love talking books. Our favorite thing is to match make people with books. Um, so it's a lot of fun. We want to, you know, set you up with your next favorite book, your next favorite author. And, you know, on our staff, we have over 55 plus years of book selling um, experience. And, wow. and I'm very fortunate. I have two people on staff that are actual writers that have published um, books. And so I feel like I'm surrounded by smart people every day. Tina, thank you so much for your time today and the great suggestions as we head into the summer of 2021, which we are hoping is way more fun than 2020. I know, way more fun in 21, right? Yeah. Happy reading. You too. <laughs> Tina and I stayed on for like another 15 minutes. Shocker, I know. We could probably stay on all day. And we were talking about our shared love of a TV show. And it's called Younger. If you have not read it, I think it's in season seven. So you could binge this for like the next five days. But Younger stars um, a whole bunch of really great actors. Um, Sutton Foster's on it. Hilary Duff. Peter Herman is on it. Debbie Mazar. I mean, it's just, it's, the cast is outstanding. And the um, writing on it is fantastic. And the gist of it is there's this woman who's in her 40s. She goes through a divorce. She's been a stay-at-home mom and she needs to get back into the workforce so she goes into new york city and applies for a job at a publisher she's in her early to mid 40s and she can't get a job because people think she's too old and not relevant with millennial readers so she happens to look very youthful i mean she's sutton foster she looks gorgeous and so she then uh passes herself off as younger as a millennial and she keeps the gig going for a long time. So it is about her working in this publishing house under a millennial imprint, having to attract and, and argue for books written by millennial authors that will appeal to millennials, which of course she is not. And hilarity ensues. The writing in it is fantastic and it actually is a, based off of a book called Younger that was out years ago. So if you haven't seen that, it's really fantastic and it's in its last season now. Okay, that was a major, major sidebar. So question, do you follow me on Instagram? You can find me at runreadsip and the run read, second part of that, the read part. I actually share a lot of the books um, from my nightstand on Instagram. I throw them in stories a lot. So that's a good way to find out what I'm reading these days. And you can message me there as well about the podcast. And if you could take a second and make sure you're already subscribed to the show, that would be awesome. If you could rate and review us and then share this episode with your fellow book loving friends, that is the best way for us to grow our listenership. That's what they call it. Get ready for season seven of the Dying Desk podcast. It's going to be our Olympic season. It's coming soon and featuring America's top athletes sharing their mental hacks. Thanks for listening today. Happy reading. And we'll see you next time on Dying Desk.